I'm going to go ahead and jump right into um, this message. Um, if you're at home and you're joining on a device and you can type, make sure you're, you're commenting. The reason why I, t- I encourage people to comment so much is, um, especially if you're on Facebook, is it helps with the algorithm. Just by commenting, it actually makes our, uh, our broadcast show up on other people's um, pages. It pushes up to the top. So the more you comment, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like witnessing to your friends, um, without having to share with them, uh, directly. So it's just a fun way to do things. Also, I love using emojis. Um, so the more emojis, the more fun it is for me when I go, I get to go back over and we'll have people in, uh, in the chat that are going to, if you've got questions or things like that, we'll, they'll be able to reach out to you. Um, just jumping right on in, the world is a weird place in 2021, right? It's a weird place. It was weird in 2020. Um, just about a year ago, I was, this was my first year not coaching wrestling in like 12 years. And um, last year, we were just finishing up the season. We hadn't had our big city tournament yet, and we were getting ready. We had like our, I think, we may have had, it was like our second to last practice. And, um, and one of the, the uh, I guess he's an activities coordinator, came down to the wrestling room. And he said, hey, Preston, just so you know, there's this virus in Asia. And I think we're going to have to shut school down. And I remember laughing. <laughs> I was like, okay, that sounds weird. Okay. And then like the next day, everything was shut, shut down. I was like, are you kidding me? They got to let these kids wrestle, <laughs> right? Like, it's, I, I didn't get it. Um, I was really, <laughs> really kind of disappointed. Wrestling's really important to me. Um, <laughs> so then, you know, we had COVID. We had to deal with COVID. You know, we've, we've dealt with um, some social injustice. There have been riots. There's, you know, people stormed the Capitol building. Um, one that I was kind of excited about that happened in 2020 that kind of didn't really do anything. I'm not really upset that it didn't happen, but like the murder hornets was really interesting to me. Um, anybody else? That was really interesting. I was, I was, I'm still wondering what happened to murder hornets. Like, does anybody remember more murder hornets? Right? They're still around. Okay. They're just not as big of a deal. I think as we thought they were going to be. Um, but now we've got blizzards in Texas, um, which is absolutely insane. Things, this is a really weird, weird time. It's a really weird time. Anxieties are at an all-time high. People are stressed out. Um, people are depressed. I, I don't know if you've seen what's going on in Texas or not, but it's like people are, my wife was, my wife does all this research and she's showing me like, like all these videos of people's pipes bursting and they're like, their houses are just being destroyed. And in order to stay warm, like they're building, because they don't have power, they're building tents on their beds and then like covering the tents with blankets in order to like try to insulate to stay warm so like they can keep their family safe. It's absolutely absolutely insane. People are really, really uh, in turmoil. Um, you know, I was getting ready to, to teach this. I was in 
California. Anybody, I forgot, I, I didn't even introduce myself. My name is Preston. I'm the associate pastor here. My, my mom and dad are actually the lead pastors. They're in California. Uh, my sister moved. She's, uh, she lived in L.A. She moved about 30 minutes down the street. And so my wife and I and my daughter, we flew out about a week ago, helped them pack up and move. My parents flew out um, about five days after we did to help unpack and get them set in their new house. So that's where my parents are. Um, but I was out in L.A. getting ready to preach, and I felt like the Holy Spirit hit me with a bag of bricks. Uh, sitting on my sister's couch at her old apartment, I'm sitting there all by myself just kind of contemplating what he would have me say. And um, I was sharing this with my brother-in-law who's probably watching. They're all probably watching um, in uh, California right now. But I shared with him some of the things I'm going to say. And I, I was sharing just the introduction. He was like, man, you know, you probably ought to, like, say this, turn the lights off, and just walk away. <laughs> so um, I don't know if anybody else's seats came with seat belts. Um, but if you have a seat belt um, at your chair, you might want to buckle up. Um, so... This is the thing, with everything that's going on in our country, and not even our country, in the world, um, the new trend that I believe is going on, just we'll call it in our society, is to teach the next generation that hurt feelings is a currency. I'll say it again. I believe... The new trend in our society is to teach the next generation that hurt feelings is a currency. And the people who are the biggest victims get the biggest paychecks. And that might come across as really insensitive, but it's just very true. This, it's just true. I believe it's our responsibility and obligation, specifically as adults and parents, to teach our kids to walk in forgiveness and to be unoffendable. Otherwise, otherwise they risk becoming nothing more than slaves to pain and mass producers of bitterness, envy, and greed. If we don't teach our kids how to forgive people, how to walk in forgiveness, how to be how to be forgivers, actively forgivers, then they risk becoming mass producers of bitterness. That doesn't mean we don't get to call wrongdoings wrong. doesn't mean we don't get to call out outright acts of rage and aggression. We don't get, it's not saying, I'm not saying that we have to be doormats. I'm not a doormat. But I'm also... I'm also, I'm just not bitter. Say, I decided a while ago, and I don't know if anybody in the room agrees with me. I decided a while ago, I just don't have, I don't have space in my life to hold a grudge. I just don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. I've got a family. I've got friends. You know, I'm, I've got my church. I've got things to do. I've got too many things to do to focus on people that have done me wrong. People have said things about me that don't need to be said that were absolute slanderous and lies. But I, you know what? I can either focus on that or I can focus on being a better man. Those are, the, those are my options. 
See, I think in 2021, in 2020, going into 2021, some people are bitter because, quite honestly, they just don't have anything else better to do. Movie theaters are closed. They can't, people can't go to restaurants. They're just bored. Got nothing else better to do than focus on all the things that might have been wrong in their life. Today I'm talking about moving forward generationally. Moving forward generationally. I think the only way we can move forward generationally, one, is we've got to We've got to break this cycle of bitterness. Perpetuating bitterness creates backward motion. You can't move forward if you're bitter. Got some points I want to get across, though, this morning. The big question for today, though, is how do we move forward generationally? How do we move forward generationally? The first thing We want to move forward generationally, talking about the next generation coming up. First thing we have to do is we have to train the next generation. Train them. I don't know if anybody in here has kids or has um, been an, an uncle or an aunt or has helped potty train someone before. Thankfully, luckily for us, my daughter was actually pretty good at it. I felt like it was just like a light bulb that went off, right? It was like all of a sudden she just wanted, like we taught her what she was supposed to do. And as soon as she was like, yeah, I'm going to do that, she just did it. But I know some people have really struggled. They've really struggled. I've got this this men's group, a dad's group on Facebook where we're moving over to email and doing some other things with it called Savage Dads. And, like, there, there are guys in these groups that are like, man, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. This is the thing about why am I talking about potty training when we're talking about the next generation. This is the thing. There's never been a kid anywhere who went to the potty without being trained to. They just don't. Unless you've unless you've encouraged them, unless you've shown them, unless you've told them what they're supposed to do, no kid is ever going to look at a potty and go, yeah, I'm supposed to pee in that. They just don't. But for some reason, we think, okay, it's, it's logical to potty train a kid, but it's not logical to train kids to do things, I don't know, morally. Right? We have to, we have to train kids. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. I want to break this scripture down into a few parts. The first part is train. Train. Training is teaching. It's disciplining. It's showing. It's helping. Sometimes it's playing. It's creating. It's imagining. It's listening. It's advising. It's a lot of things. But training is more than just disciplining. What training is, training is initiating, it's two parts, initiating and educating. Initiating means you start the process. You're the one that started it. Second part is educating. 
You're teaching them something. People struggle with initiating because they don't see, um, they don't see the worth. They might not see the worth in, in things. People struggle with educating because sometimes they aren't educated themselves. So it's hard to teach something that you don't know anything about. You know, I've, I've coached a lot of sports from football to wrestling and mixed martial arts. Anybody that's ever coached knows this truth. When you start coaching, you get better at whatever you're coaching. I was never a better wrestler than when I was coaching wrestling, ever. I learned all kinds of stuff, all kinds of new things. Why? Because I needed to learn things that I could teach my athletes. If you want to have a better kid, if we want to have a better next generation, then we collectively have to get better. A lot of people think that training is disciplining. Especially, I see this a lot from like dads with military backgrounds. Because that's, maybe that's the thing that fixed you. You're a bad kid. You had no other options. You went to the military and it fixed you. Like, oh, I learned, I got discipline. That's because you had somebody screaming in your face. I'll tell you this. If a majority of your interactions with your kid is discipline, you are A, abusive, You are B, just somehow didn't know that you were allowed to have fun with your kid. Or C, or C, you already screwed up royally and you're trying to catch up. So if A, if, if all you're doing is disciplining all the time, whether it's physical or emotional, it's if that's all you're doing, and there might be abuse, my answer to that is stop being a jerk. It's really simple. Sometimes I need to use scripture. Sometimes I just need to use like really short words. If you didn't know you're allowed to have fun with your kids, have fun. Loosen up. Don't take yourself so seriously. I know you used to be in the military, but you're not anymore. Even if you're still in the military, when you cross the, the threshold of your house, of your front door, your, your kid doesn't care about your if you're a lieutenant or if you're a private, they don't care. You're dad. Or sergeant. <laughs> when training up a child, we have to focus on more, more on the how than the what. By, what do I mean by that? I mean this. Don't teach them what to live. Teach them how to live. Don't teach them what to study in the Word of God. Teach them how to study the Word of God. Don't teach them what to pray. Even, even Jesus himself didn't teach people what to pray. He taught people how to pray. When you pray, pray like this. In simpler terms, we don't teach our kids when we're teaching them math. We don't just get them to memorize that 2 plus 2 is 4. We help them understand why 2 plus 2 equals 4. Otherwise, when they get into, into higher levels of math, they're never going to get it. So train. Second part of this scripture is up a child. Sometimes the most difficult part of training a child is remembering that they're a child. 
One of my favorite questions when we're out in public that I hear parents ask, it's like you're at Target and their kid's just acting up. And you hear the mom say, why won't you just stop eating crayons? Why won't you just sit still? And you look over and it's a four-year-old. And you're like, they won't do it because they're four. Uh, that's why. As if, like, the kid is supposed to know why. Like, they're supposed to have, like, a real, like, logical explanation for why they're doing something that just doesn't make sense. And there are three characteristics that I think are eternally imperative when training up a child, specifically a child. Three characteristics. And I know a lot of this seems like it's for parents, but I promise I'm going to tie all this in for everybody in just a few minutes. First characteristic you have to have, you have to exercise, is patience. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Patience. This, this doesn't mean, this might get confusing, because this doesn't mean that you don't discipline your kid. I'm not suggesting that at all. Because my, my daughter is not excited when my wife says, do you want me to go get daddy? <laughs> because she knows daddy's willing to discipline. Patience doesn't mean don't discipline. Patience just means don't discipline when you're mad. Don't, don't get mad in discipline. Discipline because you need a different behavior. Not just because you're angry. Second thing you need is creativity. Creativity is the use of imagination or original ideas. Not all kid is the same. Even if they were from the same mom and dad in the same family, no two kids are the same. My dad parented me very different from the way he parented my sister. Why? Because we're two different people. Be creative. Just because it worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for your kid either. Be creative. Third, be consistent. Consistency is the conformity in the application of something. It means, what does that mean? you got to build the process, not just the product. So we've got train up a child in the way he should go. Some big questions a lot of parents have is, which way should he go? What should he do? I've heard for years and years and years, I've heard this argument like when it comes to like, parenting and faith is, you know, I really want my, my uh, son to be a Christian, but I just don't know if I want to make him go to church because I don't want to push him away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to form this, I'm going to shape this in a different way. You know, I really want my kid to be smart, but I'm not going to make him go to school because that might push him away from intelligence. It's a similar argument. Whatever's important, will, you'll make important. People aren't pushed away because they join, they, they join a spiritual community of, of believers who are loving Jesus and doing life together. Kids get pushed away because of legalism. Stats show that about 85% of people who come to Christ do, do so before the age of 18. If we're going to move forward generationally, we've got to, to decide if we really believe 
what we say we believe, and if we do, we've got to do something about it. That's the thing, crazy thing about beliefs. Beliefs will make you move. If you believe something, it'll change you. If you don't, it won't. So how do we get our kids into a relationship with Jesus? Three things. First thing is we pray. We pray with them. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That first part is so important. Don't be anxious. Anxiety and depression are at an all-time high with kids these days. So many things are, are so unknown. We've got to be praying with our kids. Read. Second thing is read. Read the word. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. It's not just words on a page. There's power. Third thing, thing is do. Matthew 25. It's this whole, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. We can't just read. We've got to be doers of the word of God. So first thing. First thing, if we want to move, move forward generationally, we've got to train the next generation. Second thing we have to do is we have to encourage the next generation. Colossians 3, 21. Fathers, do not provoke your, your children lest they become discouraged. What does provoke? Provoke means you're arousing anger or stimulating frustration and annoyance. Why shouldn't we provoke them? It's much deeper than just making them angry. It's deeper than just annoying them a little bit. What's the big problem? Let's look at, so if you go to the end, it says, lest they become discouraged. Why is it a problem? Let's look at what encouragement is. Encouragement means to give support, confidence, or hope. Essentially what, if you break down, break down the word encouragement, basically what it really means is to give courage. What can we do without courage? Literally nothing. Nothing has ever been invented. There's never been a song that was written and released. Nothing has ever been done without courage. You don't get out of bed without courage. You might, you might think that you don't have much courage, but if you drove here today, you do. We can't do anything without courage. So how can I be a better encourager? One real simple thing is smile. You want to be more encouraging? Fix your face. You use more than words to communicate, right? You use words. Another thing that you use is body language. Another thing you use is facial expression. If I tell you I love you, but I look like I hate you, you're not going to believe me. But it's so simple. Smile more. You want to encourage somebody? Smile more. You want to be an encourager? Acknowledge more. Acknowledge. What does that mean? It means you appreciate them and you recognize them. What does that mean? It means I, it means I see you. I hear you. 
You know why there's so much graffiti in inner cities? Because kids want to be seen and heard. If it was just because they liked art, they would draw on a piece of paper and put it back in their backpack. They want to be seen and they want to be heard. They have a message. Most of the time, the message is, I'm hurt. Just acknowledge. Say, hey, you know what? Acknowledge doesn't mean I agree. Acknowledge doesn't say I accept what you're doing with your life. Acknowledge means I see you and I hear you. So encourage the next generation. Third, if we want to move the next generation forward, we've got to launch the next generation. Can you bring me that bow? Psalm 127.4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So right out of high school, thanks, babe. Right out of high school, um, I went to a school in San Diego, California, and I got to live with this really awesome and absolutely crazy family. <laughs> and I still stay in contact. They're, they're in San Diego, and um, Mama Shirley, she uh, messages me or calls me every time there's a hurricane headed this way. She doesn't know any better. Um, <laughs> but she calls to make sure we're all right every time. She sends me, uh, she still sends us Christmas, um, Christmas cards, and she texts me on my birthday. And that was like almost 20 years ago. I love her for it. And um, Brad, uh, Brad Buxton was her husband, the, the dad. He was um, an archery uh, instructor and had like this whole archery range in the backyard. And um, <laughs> when I got out there, I ended up getting a bow because why not? And it wasn't this one. Mine was a recurve bow, which is kind of like a long bow. It's just a stick. It's just a stick and a string, none of these fancy wheels. Um, but I was, I'd have a tough day, and he would notice, and he'd say, hey, Preston, get your bow. Let's go shoot for a little while. And we'd just go out in the backyard for 30 minutes, and I'd get a nice 30-minute private session on how to shoot a bow. And we would just talk. And Brad was always, I don't, honestly, I don't remember a single piece of advice the guy gave me, but I remember how good at listening he was. And he just cared so much. But then he introduced me to this other guy. I still don't know. His, we called him Mr. Ross. I don't know if his first name is Ross or last name is Ross, but Mr. Ross uh, was an older guy, and he had been shooting for probably 40 years at the time. And he, he shot a traditional longbow. It was just wood, no fiberglass, just wood and a string that he made himself, made all of it himself. He made the arrows. He made everything. And I'm telling you, this guy could hit a penny, a penny on a target from 50 yards. He could, you could roll. There were these targets. It was basically like a big ball. And you roll the ball, and there's different targets all around the ball. And he could hit what would be like the bullseye as it's rolling, just with a stick. None of these like cool sights, just with a stick. The guy was incredible. After all of the things that I had learned with all the, all the lessons, I was next to nobody compared to him because of how, how skilled he was. And I say all that to say this. The truth is an arrow 
in the hand of a skilled archer is a dangerous weapon. Now looking at Psalm through that lens, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. The the truth is we are the ones that are in charge of launching kids. Not the church, not the youth group, not teachers, not the government, not nobody. We are. We have to be the ones. And people, people say things like, I don't know why my kids are so lazy. I don't know why my kids are more productive. The truth is, is kids are arrows. Arrows were made to be launched, but they can't launch themselves. The ineffective ability of your kids might be because you're not a warrior. So how can we launch our kids? How can we launch our kids? How can we pick them up as arrows and put them on the string? And how do do we launch them? First thing is be inspiring, not just controlling. Be inspiring, not just controlling. How do you inspire? This This is the process. To inspire somebody, you say, watch me do this. Let's do this together. Now I'm going to watch you do it. It's a simple process for inspiring somebody. Watch me do it. We'll do it together. Now I'm going to watch you do it. How do you you launch your kid? You tell them who they are, not just what they're doing wrong. Telling somebody who they are is actually a form of prophecy. Prophecy. Sometimes we think it's like super spiritual, like we have to like, I don't know, be one of the disciples or something in order to like hear from God and prophesy. And, and it's got to be like this big moment where we say, thus saith the Lord, verily I say. No, it doesn't have to be like that. It's just instead of saying, hey, you keep doing this wrong. You keep doing this wrong. You need to get your act right. Change the language a little bit and say, man, you know, you're a great kid. You are super talented. Why aren't you using the talent that God gave you? Get involved. Be inspiring. Tell them who they are. Third is get involved. This is a thing. I never understood how true this was until I was a dad. Time is fleeting. Like Usain Bolt in the Olympics, just running, gone. It's gone, gone. Man, my baby, my baby was born like a few days ago, and she's, she's going to be four this year. That's not right. Like... How did that happen? Get this. We have 24 hours in a day, right? I think some people have more because they seem to be really productive, but I only have 24 hours in a day. And then if we, if we sleep for about eight hours of that, some people do a little more, some people do a little less, but let's just call it even and call it eight hours. Let's say you've got kids that are in school. That's seven 
hours, right? Seven hours that they're, they're at school. And then they're playing with friends and you're, you've got work. And maybe let's just say that you get home from work at six and bedtime is 10 and, you know, dinner is going to take up about an hour, especially if you're cooking and cleaning. At most, the best on a weekday, at most, you've got about maybe three hours to influence your kid a day. A day. 10% of their life is how much time you have to influence them from age newborn to 18, if that's how long they're staying in your house. Now, I'm not saying that parenting stops at 18. It doesn't. You continue to be a parent for the rest of your life. But in those really important influence, influential years, you got like three hours a day at best. We've got to be more intentional with how we're spending our time and how we're investing into our kids. That's the thing. Our kids primarily are our responsibility. If they're going to launch, it's because we launched them. That's how it's supposed to work. It's not how it works all the time. Our responsibility. I don't know if anybody's seen the Harriet Tubman movie. I love this lady. I love her, man. The more I get into her story and I watch her movie and then I dig deep into her and, man, she's so incredible. I challenge somebody to find a story that's more inspiring than hers. There's this part in the movie, and I don't, I don't, know, I don't know exactly what happened in real life, but there's, there's this moment where, see, Harriet, she had escaped slavery, and she was just, I mean, she had left people in awe that she did it by herself. Traveled like a hundred miles by herself. When she got up north, they were like, they were like, um, so who came with you? She was like, me. <laughs> like, no, but who else? No, by, by myself. <laughs> just me. And so then she decides to join the, the Underground Railroad as a conductor, and she's helping helping slaves escape. And she had, she had helped like 70 people escape, and this uh, new bill had been passed that basically allowed people from the south to travel north to like repossess escaped slaves. And there's this scene in the movie, which I, I imagine is somewhat true to history, where they're having this conversation about how slaves are now going to have to go even farther. They're not just going to have to go to Pennsylvania. They're going to have to go to Canada. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And we're, they're arguing that oh, we're going to have to lay low. We're going to have to stop. We're going to have to stop the Underground Railroad for a little while. And this lady, she says, are you giving up on setting slaves free because the journey is far? And I was watching this movie flying home from California, and man, I felt like I got hit. I think some of us don't launch our kids because the string just feels too hard to pull. Because maybe there's some challenges. Maybe some things haven't gone your, your way. There are some people that are in this room that are doing things that they never should have had to do. Single parents... 
Single parents should never have to do it by themselves. And if you're a single parent, I don't know how you did it because I'm not a single parent and I've got one kid and sometimes it's just really tough. Single moms, you were never meant to do a father's role. You just weren't. Single dads, you weren't supposed to, you weren't supposed to do a mother's role. But some of us, we have to pull just a little bit harder. And some of us are lost because like, man, I'm not a parent. I don't even know what I'm doing here. And I've been in ministry for, on, on staff here for about 16 years. And... In 16 years, I've done just about everything there is to do in this building. Outside of counting money, because they don't want me to do that. But I've led worship, done kids ministry, nursery, everything. I've, I've cleaned this place. I've done everything there is to do. I'll tell you the, the best investment I've ever made, and I, I told him I was going to talk about him. I didn't tell him first service, but I checked in after first service. Best investment I've ever made was into a kid named Shay. Anybody that, if you don't know him, you should know him. Because he's just like, he's the best. He's just the best. I don't wanna, I'm not, not going to tell his whole testimony because that's his to tell. But um, if you look on any of my social media, he's, he's now like almost six feet tall and like super athletic. But uh, <laughs> we've been hanging out for about five years. And um, he used to be this short little fat blonde kid. And I'm allowed to call him fat because I'm, I just am. I've earned the right. <laughs> but Shay is just about as sharp as they could come. But he was in a situation in his life where he needed somebody to launch him. And things just kind of fell in place. He came into my life at a really important time. And I guess things just matched up and the Holy Spirit was just in the right, he just put us in the right spot and the kid is just as sharp as they can come. And I say that to say, the truth is a lot of us think, we're maybe we think we're done parenting because our kids are out of the house. Or maybe we're not parents yet, we're just too young. But I will say there's somebody in your life that is, Desperate, desperate to be launched. Somebody that needs to be encouraged. Somebody is in your life that needs to be inspired. There's somebody that's desperate to get some training. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to get ready to close. Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for this word.
We're going to go ahead and prepare. Um, I've got some people that are going to uh, come down and pray with you. I don't want to ever go through a Sunday without giving somebody the opportunity to make a statement of faith and say, you know what, I'm going to live for Jesus from today forward. Today is going to be my day where I change. I decide to change my life forever. So if you're in the room and you want to make that statement, you know, there's no verse in the Bible where, like, there is a sinner's prayer. But I think it's a good thing to do to make a statement of faith and say, you know what, I'm, my life's changed now and forever. So if that's you, if you want to come and pray and um, talk with some of our team, today would be a great day to do that. I'm also going to open the, the altar for prayer for um, maybe you're a parent and you're really struggling you're feeling like you're failing. I'll tell you this. One thing I know from years of working with kids and parents is this. Um, success in parenthood is found in the attempt. In the, in the consistent try. What happens a lot of times in parenthood is, like, since we've got, we've been talking about archery, what happens a lot is, is you pull the string, you shoot, and you don't hit the bullseye, and you say, oh, I'm never going to hit it. You feel that, like, that, like, I don't know, you feel the failure, and you feel like you'll never hit the target. As a parent, if that's you, man, just keep pulling the, just keep pulling the string. Just keep going. Keep trying. Readjust. Do it again. It doesn't matter if your, parent, if your kids are 19, 20, 40. Keep, keep trying. Parenthood never stops. But if that's you, if you've been feeling like a failure, we want to talk with you, we want to pray with you. We want to help you. The third thing is I want to pray that God would put some new names, some new, some new um, people on your heart that maybe aren't your blood that aren't your flesh and blood, that doesn't share a, a last name with you. Somebody that you're supposed to help launch. Because I tell you what, it's the most, it's the best investment I've ever made in my life. Let's pray. I've got some team members that can come. Thanks. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Holy Spirit, thank you for this word and for challenging our hearts. Anybody that would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time, but if that's you and you'd like to pray with someone, we've got some, some team members ready and available for you. Just come meet with them. If you're a parent, and you're struggling, maybe you're a single parent and man, things are just tough and you need somebody to pray with you that God would give you some strength. Maybe you need, maybe you just need some patience. We're here to pray with you. The Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would put new faces and names 
on the hearts and minds of some of these warriors that are sitting in these seats. There are archers. There are archers sitting in these seats that they're just waiting. God, I pray that you would, there would be a divine meeting. Thank you for this word. We love you. God, I pray that you would bless your, bless your people. God, I pray as they go, your face would shine on them and people would know you because they know, they know them. We love you. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.